Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the power of repentance. We did celebrate um, the new year last, um, I don't even know when it was, was last, uh, when was it? Friday? Friday night? Was it? Friday night and Saturday? I can't believe a whole week has gone by. It literally feels like we just had that service. Um, so it's the year of the open door. And I, we believe that God is going to open amazing doors for us. And we're, we're, we're in that flow right now. You want to stay connected to that theme because the Day of Atonement is going to flow with that theme. It's the sixth feast of the Lord. It begins Sunday evening. Tomorrow night, Pastor Lisa mentioned, it's at 7 o'clock. It's called in the Bible a Shabbat Shabbaton or a Sabbath of Sabbaths. What does that mean exactly? I can't tell you. It's like a Sabbath on steroids. That's, you know, it's the highest Sabbath. It's believed to be the holiest day of the year. It's like you take Shabbat and you put a, an exponential on the, on the end of it, two. So exponential, when you something is exponential, it's not just two times. It's multiplied. It's a, ex, ex, um, it keeps going. So it's the Shabbat of Shabbats. It's commemorated. One of the ways it's commemorated, it's commemorated by fasting. And, you're, and according to the Bible, you're going to fast from the ninth of the seventh month at evening until the evening of the tenth of the seventh of the month. So when is that? Sunday night at sundown is the seventh month. It's the ninth evening. So or if, if you know the Hebrew calendar names, it's Tishrei 9 and we're going to fast from that evening at sundown. So the service is going to be starting at 7. I suggest for those of you who are not great fasting people that you eat right. I mean, you eat right before. Um, you even, if you can even bring it to the foyer, I don't even want my mind. But uh, once sundown comes, that's it, okay? Just let you know that there should not be any food um, unless you have, you know, a medical condition or something like that. Do your best. To, it's a complete fast. It's a, it's a food and it's a water fast as well. Leviticus 23, you look at it. Leviticus 23, 32. It shall be to you a Sabbath of rest, and that would be the Hebrew Shabbat Shabbaton, and you shall afflict yourselves, this is the amplified version, I like this version, afflict yourselves by fasting in penitence and humility. On the ninth day of the month, from evening to evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. And verse 31 actually says, it's to be forever. So you can commemorate this day forever by, how do we do it? By fasting and the fasting is in the in the Hebrew it says you're to ana your nefesh how many people know what nefesh is your nefesh is your soul your soul is your appetites your emotions your desire your intellect your passions and ana means you got to humble your soul you got to say soul Emotion, you're not controlling me. Appetite, you're not controlling me. Desires, you're not controlling me. Passions, you're not controlling me. Why? Because I'm bringing my desire, my nephesh, I'm humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. And the Bible says if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what will God do? 
he'll exalt you in due time. So but even though many translations will say afflict themselves, afflict yourselves, because the word for humble means you're, you're making yourself lower. In a sense, oh, I don't, okay, I don't want to preach on it now. It's the same word that was used in the Bible when Egypt afflicted Israel. So now God's saying, I don't want you to remember the affliction of, of Egypt. I want you to humble yourselves before me. You don't need a nation to humble you. You need to humble yourself before the Lord. All right, I won't say any more about that. So in light of preparation for that holy day, today I want to talk to you about the power of repentance. And I want to just tell you this. The gates of repentance in the Hebrew understanding are open always. They're not just opened on the day of atonement. The gates of repentance are always open as long as you are still alive. This is why the Bible says the living shall what? Praise you. As long as you're alive, you have an opportunity to repent. The appointed days are God's desire. His desire to meet with you, to commune with you. He's saying, I want to be with you. So now God is drawing near us on these holy appointed times. And all he wants from us, the Bible says, draw near to God. And what? He will draw near. You just show up, God's going to show up. It's a special time where he draws near to his people. Say, it's on God's calendar that he's meeting with you on these feast days. Now what would happen if it was on God's calendar and you didn't show up for your appointment? Now it wouldn't look pretty cool. It wouldn't look good, right? Let's look at the Greek word for repentance. Greek word for repentance is metano. Meta, uh, metaneo. Metaneo. To, and it, what it means. It means to think differently or afterwards to reconsider morally, to feel compunction, to repent, to change one's mind for the better. Your mind is a part of your nephesh. Heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. Another translation, another uh, more, uh, another definition in our strong concordance says repentance, metanoia, change of mind. Look what it says. Involves a turning with contrition from sin to God. The repentant sinner is in the proper condition to accept divine forgiveness. I think that's so good. Do you like that? It's like, it's like it puts you, if you were a sinner, it puts you in the proper condition to receive grace, to receive God's gift of salvation if you do what? If you repent, if you turn from your sin with contrition or penitence. So repentance in the Greek has to do with thinking and considering with your mind. Look in Acts 3.10. So repent, change your mind and your purpose. Turn around and return to God so that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. And that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of the heat or reviving with fresh air. That's really cool. May come from 
the presence of the Lord. Does anybody love the book of Acts? You know we're going back to the book of Acts, right? Book of Acts is, is the most amazing book because it shows how the new believers begin to walk the walk of Yeshua with the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways they brought the power was by teaching the people, you've got to first repent. You've got to repent. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to have, a, you have to reconsider your ways. You've got to turn, if you will. And he said, when you do that, when you say, basically, I love what one pastor said, tell the devil you changed your mind. Just say, I, I'm not, I, I know I was serving you, but I changed my mind. You're not my Lord anymore. I'm going to serve the true and the living God. Yeah, I changed my mind. I, I have a right to change my mind. Amen. We have a right. We can change our mind. God gives us the, uh, the gift, if you will. Of repentance. It it's really is a gift. He says, you can exercise this gift. I'm not going to force you to repent. But if you choose to turn, and first of all, I want you to look at repentance in the light of someone who doesn't know God at all. Many of you are believers. But what about the person, they don't know God at all. For them to come to know him, what do they have to do? Repent and be converted. Be changed. Repentance is necessary to receive what the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua paid for. You can't get Yeshua's salvation gift without repentance. In fact, there's people that believe in a false doctrine that say, because Yeshua or Jesus died for everyone, everyone's automatically saved. That's a false gospel. That's not what the Bible teaches. You don't get saved just because Jesus died. You have to put your trust in him. You have to repent of your sin. That's called universalism. And it's, it's gotten a lot of people in trouble. It's taking the grace message so far out of balance that it fell off the rail. It, fell, it literally fell off the scale. The word converted in the, in the Greek means to revert. Literally, figuratively, or morally, to come or go again, to convert, to return, or turn about again. John preached the good news. What was the good news? The good news of repentance. He preached that everyone should turn or return to God. Interesting, he's, he's telling people to turn to God that already know about God. They couldn't even find John. They had to go out into the wilderness. We're going to go where he, we're gonna, if you come to Israel with us, you're gonna, we're going to actually go to where he did the immersions, the, the baptisms. We're going to go to the very place and see it. Every one that followed after John, including Yeshua, and then into the book of Acts, they all preached the same thing. Before they preached salvation, they preached repentance. Now today, we don't talk a lot about repentance. Come as you are. Do what you want afterwards. Just come and get this free gift. Here's this book. Shake the pastor's hand. Everything's good. You'll never see him again. 
and they'll never see him again. Because we didn't give them the truth. So John, in Matthew 3, 2, he says, repent. He says, repent. He says, for the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. Luke 1, 16, and many of the children of Israel, this is the prophecy about John. The prophecy about John before he was birthed, he said, many of the children of Israel, this is God's people, shall he turn to their God. Yeshua comes on the scene. What's he going to preach? Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What some people don't realize about the messianic way, the Hebrew root way or the Torah observant way, I don't even know what to call it, the, the way, I, whatever you call it, it's fine with me. We can... Because what it really is, it's the kingdom way. They preach repent because the king, God's kingdom is at hand. God's way of doing things is here. You've got to do it God's way. Repent, he said. Look at Matthew eleven twenty. 20. They began to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done because uh, he began. The, he began to braid them. Why? Because they repented not. The most miracles and the people didn't respond. That's interesting. Mark 1.15 says, And saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent and can you see that repentance and belief go together? That it's not one, it's not, oh, I believe, but you still do, you, you've not been changed, you've not been turned, you still keep doing what you want to do. The disciples were sent. What, did they, what were they sent to preach? Look at, look at Mark 6. They went about and proclaimed that all should, oh, maybe I could go home. I don't know. All should repent. And they were driving out demons and anointing with oil, many who were sick and healing them. The miracles followed, the deliverance followed the, the repentance. Can you see that? Miracles will happen when people say, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn. I'm not going to keep doing what I've been doing. Luke 16, we're not going to read the whole thing, but Luke 16 tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and Lazarus uh, was poor, and he's a beggar, and he ends up going into to Abraham's bosom, the, the place, uh, 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 it was a place reserved for, the, for, for believing saints, if you will, holy people who trusted in God, and then, for, then there was another man, um, this rich guy, you don't even know his name, but the rich guy, he's can see Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and he, and he sees that he's comforted, everything's going good for him and he's hot, he's burning in shell. And look at verse 27 of Luke 16. The rich man said, I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house and raise him from the dead. Send him, for I have five brothers to warn so that they will not come to this place of torment. But Abraham says, they have, look at this, they have what? Yeah. 
Moses, they they have the book. They know what God said. They know his ways, but they don't want to do it. Let them listen to them. But he said, no, Father, no, 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 you don't understand. If someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. We know this is not true because even Yeshua who was raised from the dead, not all people that saw him believed in him. He was raised. They had Moses. They had the prophets. They had the testimony of resurrection, and they didn't believe. But Abraham said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. It is written. It is written. It is written. Repent. And believe it is written. But your nefesh doesn't want, your appetite, your emotion, your desire, your passions, they don't want to do that. Even when you're born again, your mind, your emotions fight against your spirit. If, if you've been free from this, please come and talk to us. If you never are tempted, first of all, come and repent for lying. But afterwards... Luke 13 says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter good, bad, ugly. Repentance is necessary. Or you come to destruction. Does for God so love the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that does not negate the need for repentance. So Acts 17.30 says this, Acts 17.30. Although God overlooked the periods of ignorance, now he commands everyone everywhere. Does that answer? Does that kind of say everything? What can we add to that? He commands everyone everywhere to repent. For he has set a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness, though a man through a man whom he has appointed. We know who that man is. He has brought forth evidence to this to all men by raising him from the dead. I'll never forget, Pastor Lisa and I had brought in an evangelist years ago in, in, in a church we were pastoring, and we went out witnessing. And they were training us to, like we're doing today, where you can join our evangelism team. They're going out witnessing. You can see Brother Phil afterwards. And um, you know, I was new, you know, I'm a pastor. But, you know, one-on-one is, is just, one-on-one is a different animal, if you will. And um, I'll never forget, I, 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 we, were going, we went to in front of a movie theater and we just walked and, and the guy that was training me said, you know, Brother John, it's like, he says, all right, this one's yours. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I go up to this, this young lady, and I began to talk to her. I didn't say three words. And she said, I need to repent. I didn't. Now, I believe one of the reasons that happened is because we had been immersed in prayer for the lost and in the end, a move of the Spirit. And when I showed up, I couldn't get three words. I need to repent. I prayed with her to receive the Lord right there. I need to repent. I like that. I wish it all, all, all conversions would be that simple. 
You just walk up to them, hey, how you doing? I need to repent. There, there are men in history um, that had that testimony. They just showed up at a business and the whole entire warehouse, thousands of people shook under the power of God and repented. Just when he showed up. Hebrews 9.27 is just as it's pointed for men to die once. After this, the judgment. So also Messiah was offered once to bear the sins of many. He shall appear a second time apart from sin to those eagerly awaiting him for salvation. There's a gift of repentance for salvation. And a wiping clean of all our past sins. This is the message. This is the good news gospel of salvation. When you repent of your sin, you every sin that you've committed is under the blood of Yeshua. He paid for that sin. He wipes the slate clean. You are transformed. When a person truly repents his sin and confesses the lordship of Messiah, identifies with his death, with his burial and resurrection, the Holy Spirit's power brings a change that is sometimes called being born again or born from above. When he died, you died, the old you. When he was buried, the old you was buried. But what is resurrected? When he was resurrected, the new you is resurrected. This is the born again, born a new person, born from above. Your sins have been wiped clean. We all have to do that. There's, there's no way you can get around that. I'm just going to let you know right now. You're not going to make it any other way. If you don't receive Yeshua as your Lord and your Savior, if you don't repent of your sin, if you don't put your trust in him, if you put your trust in your works, if you put your trust in religion, if you put your trust in mama, papa, anything else but him, He's going to ask you one question when you stand before him. What have you done with my son? Did you receive him? Did you reject him? As many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, the privilege to become sons of God, even those who believe on his name. But what if you did not receive him? Depart from me. I never knew you. We know 2 Corinthians 5, it says if any man be in Messiah, he's what? A new person. Old things pass away, all things become new. He gives you the ministry of reconciliation. You become an ambassador for God. You're bringing people now. It's our job. We need to bring people to Yeshua. Bring them to Messiah. you got to believe in him. What, when they say, what do I need to do? Repent. Not popular, I know. But maybe that's why we don't have the revival. Maybe that's why we're not seeing the real change in people because we're never, we're never telling them what God said. God said you need to repent of your sin. Hallelujah. So what about, so let's, let's move on from there. What about repentance now that you are born again? 
you're in relationship with God, you have a renewed covenant through Yeshua, is repentance still necessary? There are some that say once you give your life to the Lord, you never, he took care of all your sin, past, present, future. You never have to repent. Is that what the Bible teaches? We, we don't have to deal with sin. Yeshua paid for it. Yeah, he paid for it. He did. He suffered for it. Yes, he did. Then why does 1 John 5 say this? Remember John, he's the guy, he put his head on the breast of Yeshua. He kind of got intimate, if you will. He knew things the other guys didn't know. I believe when we put our head on the Lord's heart, he's going to tell us some things other people might not hear. And John says, now this is the message we've heard from him and announced to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and keep walking in the darkness, we're lying and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son Yeshua purifies us from all sin if we walk in the light. But what happens when we stray? What happens when we're not doing what we're supposed to do? Tree of Life version says, cleansing begins with confessing. If we say, oh, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Some, some people have, want to cut this out of the Bible. If we say we have no sin. That's why tomorrow night if you come to the Day of Atonement, I'm going to be the first one confessing before you guys. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, which is the same as Romans 10, confess with your mouth. It's the same word if you confess with your mouth. And the, the root word of confession in the Hebrew is to be thankful so when you confess your sin, you're thankful that God's going to forgive you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When do you get the forgiveness? I'm already born again. I'm, I'm walking with God, but sometimes I stray. What happens when you stray? If you confess your sin. Well, let me put it another way. If you come clean, if you admit it, if you own it. Don't cover it. Don't say, well, you know, everybody does that. You know, what, what do you expect? I'm just a man. Look at verse 10. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We are all guilty. Even after you're born again, you're going to make mistakes. And God knows it. And he's made provision for that as well. In fact, we, we want you to understand, when you do mess up, don't run from the church. Don't run from the congregation. Don't run from the Lord. Run to him. We're not going to beat you up here. I'm just letting you know. You might make mistakes and you might fall, but the righteous man falls seven times and what? The Lord raises it. You can get back up. We believe in the power of repentance is the power of restoration. 
Don't run. Don't say, oh, I messed up. I got, I went through this. Hello. Join the, you know what? So was not David a man after God's own heart? He, is he not chosen? Okay, the Bible says David functioned in three anointings. The anointing of a priest, the anointing of a prophet, the anointing of a king. He was a prototype of Mashiach, of Messiah. And yet this guy, man after God's own heart, three anointings. He's at the wrong place at the wrong time, not doing his kingly duty of leading the armies of Israel. Can you get out of sync? Uh, I don't know who, I guess I'm preaching, to pastor, I'm, preaching to pastor, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I don't know. And when you get out of position, you get out of sync, you're not at the right place, you're not at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. What happens? Then you start looking at what you shouldn't be looking at. And this is David. He's up on the rooftop of his house, and he sees beautiful Bathsheba, and she's taking a mikvah. In, it should have been private, but yet his eyes drew him away from the Torah, from truth. The Bible says you should not put, what, something wicked before your eyes. The eyes are gateway. We know that, especially for men. So David commits adultery and then multiple murders to cover up the adultery because now Bathsheba is, uh, is pregnant. Yet this guy is a man after God's own heart. Priest, prophet, king anointing, lays before the Lord, has the ark at his house. So let me ask you, do you have all that? So give yourself a break. That's why we have Day of Atonement. That's why God gives us these opportunities to get right with him, to get renewed, to get restored, to, to remind our flesh. You're not appetite, emotion, desire, intellect, passion. You ain't ruling. Because God has promised me mercy. It's the day of mercy. It's the day of compassion. Mercy triumphs over, I, deserve, I don't deserve mercy, but he gives me mercy when I repent. I'm changed. He changes me from glory to glory. Because every year, every time I do these things, I get stronger and stronger. Th things fall off me that didn't fall off the year before. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 2 Samuel 12. Look at it. it says, David says to, so I love David. He was all that, but what I love most about his heart, he made mistakes, but he's quick to repent. He admits it. He owns it, if you will. David said to Nathan, the prophet, I've sinned against Adonai. And Nathan said to David, Adonai has taken away your, your sin. Wow, that's fast. You'll not die. However, there's consequences. Because this act, you've greatly blasphemed Adonai. The child born to you is going to die. And Nathan returns to his house. It doesn't mean there's not consequences. It doesn't mean there's things that won't, won't um, 
crop up in the future, if you will. Because what does the Bible say? It says about the seed. You reap what you what? If you sow to the flesh, what happens? You reap. Eventually, there's, there's things, death follows that. But if you sow to the spirit, you, life follows that. The idea is to get more seeds planted with life. Paul deals with this in the book of Corinthians. He deals with a lot of sin. And he says, I had to be hard on you. I had to tell you, you had to get it right. He said, I'm not doing it to cause you sorrow. I'm doing it to cause you to repent. Because when you repent, God, I'm gonna, you're going to see a change. And you can see this. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 7. Even though I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret, though I did regret it. He's even, I, don't, I understand him. I don't even want to talk about this today. For if you see that my letter grieved you, but just for a while. Now I rejoice that you were grieved, but not that you were grieved, but that you were grieved to the point of repentance. For you were grieved according to God's will. God's will is what? Repentance. Why? So you can have restoration. So that you might in no way suffer loss from us. For the grief that God's will brings a excuse me. For the grief that God wills brings a repentance that leads to salvation, leaving no regret. The world's grief brings death, for you see this very thing, this grieving that God's will has brought you. What diligence, what defense, what indignation, what fear, what prolonging, what zeal, what rendering of justice. Why? Because they repented. In everything you have proved yourself to be innocent. They just committed the worst sin, and yet Paul says, because you repented, God's wiped the slate clean. He cleared you of this, because repentance leads to salvation. Sozo in the, in the Greek is wholeness, soundness. The Greek word for repentance and the Hebrew word for repentance are equivalent. It's not like the Greek means one thing and the, and the Hebrew means. The, the Hebrew word for repentance is to do shuva, to return, to turn about. It, it, it's, a, it's an equivalent, what we call the cognate word in the Hebrew for metanoia is shuva. What do we do on Day of Atonement? We do teshuva. We come before God and we say, God, we're turning, we're changing. Jeremiah says, turn, backslider. Look at Jeremiah 3. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord. That's the word shuva. Turn, for I am married to you. These are people who know the Lord. I'll take you of one city and two of a family. I'll bring you to Zion. God said, just repent, turn. I'm married to you. I love you. Husbands and wives, you should understand this. You can't, don't, we tell everybody, divorce is not a word you can use, but you might want to murder them. Just for a just little tiny brief moment. And any of you who don't understand that, then you definitely haven't been married very long. Because nobody can get you upset more than the ones closest to you. 
and they don't even have to push your buttons. It, it just, they can even just be themselves and iron really does sharpen iron. But over and over, Jeremiah tells the people, Shuva, you're a backslider. You're return. God said, I'll heal you. Look at Jeremiah 4.1. He says, if you Shuva, if you return, O Israel, says the Lord, return unto me and you put away your abominations out of my sight, then shall thou not remove Lamentations 5.21 says, Shuva, turn unto us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. This is so powerful. Renew our days as of old. So it's, it's almost like saying, there's another scripture that says, God will revive us so we will call on his name. God says here, he says, turn thou us. God saying, uh, the, the Jeremiah say, saying this, uh, saying this prayer in Lamentations, Lord, turn us to you. Lord, give us a heart that we want to do right. We want to come back to you. Turn us. Because if you don't turn us, we're going to stay in our sin. We're going to stay in Babylon. And truthfully, we might not be in physical Babylon, but the whole world is in Babylon right now. Babylon means confusion by mixture. Everything's mixed. The new technology is going to be mixed, AI. It's mixed. The toes of, the, of, the, of, of the, um, the four kingdoms, what is it? Iron and clay, mixed, mingled. And it says they don't adhere. That's why everything's broken. And that's why it will just break everything. It's going to break everything. Things are going to be broken. More and more breaking. Even things you think can't be broken, they're going to be broken. Because God said everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Jeremiah 24. And I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Look at this. For they shall shuva, they shall turn to me with their whole heart. So David, if you remember David... He turns, he shoes. He says, I sinned. He does not try to make an excuse. He doesn't try to cover himself. Look in Psalms 51. He says, Hide your face from my sins, blot out my iniquities, create in me a clean heart. I don't know about that. I think we need to pray this tomorrow. I mean, or whenever it is, Sunday night. We need it over Monday. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy. You see, as soon as you repent, what happens? Restoration. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall. Wow. If, can you imagine? If we come back to God. The people of God do God right. There's going to be something that happens that will cause sinners to turn to God. Just because we say, we messed up. We haven't loved like we should have loved. We haven't, we haven't taken care of the widow, the stranger, the orphan. We haven't done what's right. The more you admit and take ownership. 
As a believer, I'm not talking you're a sinner. I'm talking you are a born again, born from above, covenant person. But you make mistakes. You've not done what you should do. God is going to turn that around when we repent and call sinners. What if the whole world, well, doesn't it say this somewhere in Romans? The world is groaning. The whole earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons or the children of God. When we start being the sons and daughters we're supposed to be, maybe that will cause the massive revival. And it starts with me. I admit, I, I'm, I'll be the first one. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Sometimes I'll put something on the app and my daughter will text me and say, Pastor, she'll say, Dad, delete that. You sound very harsh. You're taking your frustrations out. And I'm sure some of you have seen it. I tried to delete it fast, but it, I said, oh, God. I was apologizing to Jackie for three days. There's no... No excuse. There's no excuse to treat people wrong. There's no excuse to give them the peace of your mind. They don't need your mind. They need the will of God. They need the word. They don't need my mind. They need the word. But we're not giving the word because we haven't done enough teshuva. Okay, so now, let me give you this. There are four understandings and aspects for repentance in the Hebrew understanding. There's four necessary Aspects for repentance to actually work, for it to work for you, for there to be the restoration. There's four aspects. Number one, the letting go of sin. You got to let it, let it, I mean, you got it, I know, you got it. Letting go, so Four aspects. We need all four of them for there to be real repentance. Letting go of the sin. Number two, committing not to do it again. To be regretful of that sin. And fourth, to confess that sin. Let's look at, look, you put up that graphic there. Put up that graphic. You can see, letting go. Committing not to do it again, regret, and confession. It takes all of these to see that repentance work the way it's supposed to work. You can't just say, I'm sorry. Did you let it go? Did you commit not to do it again? I'll put this on the app if you want it. If you want the pictures, just tell me. Are you regretting that you did it? Well, I got caught. No, I didn't ask if he got caught. Are you regretting because you realize that's not you? You have to understand your identity is not, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a son and daughter. And when you don't let it go, and when you don't commit not to do again, and when you don't regret it, it's living the, you're living Esau instead of Jacob. You're living by your heel instead of your, your head. And lastly, to confess it, to confess it. Let me read you something out of the Mishnah Torah about repentance. I thought that was really interesting. It's kind of long, but we'll just read it. It says, 
If a person transgresses any of the mitzvah of the Torah, whether a positive command or a negative command, I'll just read it from here, whether willingly or inadvertently, when he repents and returns from his sin, he must confess before God, blessed be he, as Numbers 5, 6, and 7 states, if a man or woman commit any of the sins of man, they must confess the sin that they committed. This refers to a verbal confession. The confession is a positive command. How does one confess? He states, I implore you, God. Look at this. We got to learn from these rabbis. I sinned. I transgressed. I committed iniquity before you by doing the following, whatever it was. Behold, I regret. I'm embarrassed for my deeds. I promise never to repeat this act again. These are the essential elements of the confessional prayer. Whoever confesses profusely and elaborates on these matters is worthy of praise. Those who bring sin offerings or guilt offerings must, must also confess their sins. Does this not go with 1 John 1? Come on. When they bring their sacrifices for their inadvertent or willful transgressions, their sacrifices will not atone for their sins until this is the whole Bible. They're not saying anything that is not our Bible. It because God doesn't just desire sacrifice and offering. He desires the heart of repentance. Their sacrifice will not atone for their sins until they repent and make a verbal confession. As Leviticus 5, 5 states, he shall confess the sin he has committed upon it. Similarly, those obligated to be executed or lashed, thank God we're none of us, by the court do not attain atonement through their death or lashing unless they repent and confess. Similarly, someone who injures a colleague or damages his property does not attain atonement even though he pays him what he owes until he confesses and makes a commitment never to do such thing again as implied by the phrase numbers any of these sins of man. That's heavy stuff, right? Don't, we, uh, you, I know you put the next scripture up there. That's heavy stuff. That's the biblical understanding of repentance. It's not just I'm sorry. It's I admit my sin. I'm not going to do it again. I'm re sorry. I'm regretting what I did. And I'm confessing it. I'm, I'm using my mouth to say, I repent before God. Now, you remember the Day of Atonement, the two goats? Remember there's two goats. One goat is going to be killed as an atonement offering. Its blood is going to be sprinkled in two places seven times. Seven, seven, seven times on the mercy seat and seven times on the altar of incense. And seven, the two sevens in the Bible is the number 14. And the number 14 points to Messiah. So those two goats, they represent something that's so important because the one goat that is killed and the one goat that is offered as a covering the blood of that goat is is to cover your sin if you will there's another goat and that goat 
has to have the confession of the sins of Israel on the head of that goat. And the high priest would put both hands on the head of that goat. What's your head? The head is your place of authority. And it would conf- and the, the priest will confess all the willful transgressions, the rebellion. In the Hebrew, it has to do with the twistedness. You look it up in the Hebrew. Rebellion and transgression, you look at its willful, twisted rebellion against authority. And he puts his weight on that goat. Look, look at the scripture, Leviticus 16. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confesses over it all the wickedness of the sons of Israel and their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them. He's putting all their sin on this goat. The scapegoat, the sin bearer, and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is prepared for the task. In the Hebrew, it's a man appointed of time. It's pointing to Jesus, but that's another story. It's not another story, but it's another time for that. The goat shall carry on itself All the Israelites' wickedness carry them to a solitary and fertile land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. So that one goat is an atonement offering. Its blood is going to be sprinkled on the mercy seat, on the incense altar. The incense altar is, remember, why Aaron and Aaron's sons, um, why they died before the Lord is because they took Fire that was not from that incense altar, unauthorized fire, and they offered it before, strange fire, and they offered it before the Lord, and they died. Why do you sprinkle the blood on the incense altar? Because the incense altar is a picture of your prayers going up before the Lord. And God wants your prayers to be pure. God wants your prayers to be covered, if you will, by that blood. But then that other live goat, he's going to confess those sins, and he's going to send that goat out to the wilderness. And the Bible says it's not just to the wilderness. It's to a place that's not been sown or not. It's uninhabited. In other words, there's no life there. You're sending this goat to a place. There's no life. I'm going to show you the word in the Hebrew, how powerful this is. Because in a sense, the two goats represent the two sons of Israel, of Isaac, Jacob and Esau. You know that story. You know that there was a coat of goats. There's actually two goats in the story of Jacob and Esau. And you remember how Jacob deceived Esau and he put the coat, right? He put the goat skin on him. So the live goat in the Hebrew is called an Azazel goat. We translate it as a scapegoat. And you send that goat 
out into the wilderness. But what you're really doing on the Day of Atonement, are you, are you proclaiming God's atonement? Are you proclaiming his forgiveness? Are you proclaiming that he covers you, that he's got you, that he's taking your sin? Absolutely. But there's another aspect to the Day of Atonement that was so powerful. You have to send your Esau out into, you have to get rid of your Esau. That live goat that went to an uninhabited place, it would never come back. It's a prophetic act saying, my Esau is done. I am not allowing my nephesh, my appetite, my emotion, my desire, my intellect, my passion. I'm not letting them control me. You're sending them to a place, and it's called in the Hebrew, a gazar. Gazar, it's to cut down or off. I'm cutting down my Esau. I'm cutting off my Esau on the Day of Atonement. That's the prophecy, if you will, of that goat going out into the wilderness. It means to destroy, to divide, to exclude, or to decide. Does that make sense to you? I'm deciding on the Day of Atonement, I'm going to follow Elohim, the one who covers me, and I'm sending my nephesh, my Esau, I'm cutting it down. He's, got, he's not returning. You've got to send your Esau into the wilderness, never to return. What was done on the Day of Atonement was prophetic. It's a prophetic, even as you do it, even if you keep atonement with us, understand every time you keep the feast days, it's prophecy, it's proclamation, it's a prophetic act, of, of, and it points to Yeshua every time you do it. Is Yeshua your atonement? But did he also suffer outside the gate? Was he not, did he not suffer? Did he not suffer? Did he not take upon himself your sin, my sin? What did Yeshua do? He took away the power of Esau. Did Yeshua beat Esau? Absolutely. He committed his, his will to the Father's will. He never let his flesh control him. He never let his nephesh control him. So the more you do these feasts, so keeping the Day of Atonement, it's, it's doing prophecy. It's reminding you of the work of Messiah and your need to continue to remember his mercy, to remember his grace, to remember that he has taken care of your Esau, that you can beat your Esau. You don't have to be controlled by your Esau. Look in Leviticus 16, 19, 29. It is to be a statute for you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to afflict your soul. What is that? To humble your soul. What does it mean to us? It means a day of fasting. And it bears out in the scriptures. A day of fasting. Do no work. You say, Pastor Ken, should I have taken off Monday? Yes. I didn't know. Now you do. Got quiet in here. Now some of you is like, I didn't know. It's a day of atonement. Take off work. If you can get off, get off. Take a sick day. When I say take a sick day, I mean take a spiritual health day. Take a spiritual health day. They say, I, I'm, I'm out today for spiritual health. It's not sick. It's a day of affliction, but 
Uh, take a personal day. Thank you, baby. You don't work. Both the native and the outsider dwelling among you. Now, just think about this. Who was supposed to keep the Day of Atonement? All the Israelites. And if there was one who was in Israel that was dwelling among them, which is somebody who was coming into the covenant, they are going to keep this day. They're going to afflict their soul. They're going to humble themselves. On this Day of Atonement, for on this day, atonement will be made for you. I don't know if you're getting this. On this day, atonement will be made for you. Are you doing it? No. Who's doing it? God's covering you with the blood, right? To cleanse you from all your sins, you will be clean before Adonai. That's powerful. You will be clean. It's like, okay, on the Day of Atonement, everyone goes before God. Everyone stands before God. And he says, on this day, you remember, you are clean before the Lord. I'm cleansing you. You'll be made clean from all your sins. There's, there's no sin held against you. If you come on the Day of Atonement and you do what God says, you just show up, you do your fasting, you do your... True repentance, there's going to be, God's going to clean you. He's going to wash you. It's going to be like you've never, ever sinned before. Let's look at it one more time. The power of re repentance is the power of restoration. What are we going to do starting tomorrow at sundown? Letting go of the sin. Committing not to do it again regret and then make the confession who will who will join join us on that are you ready to do it will you do it hallelujah hallelujah oh just close your eyes for just a moment this morning we talked about repentance turning changing your mind The first repentance has to be from a sinner, one who admits, I don't have a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can go to church your whole life. It doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. You can have parents that believe in God and follow the ways of God. It doesn't mean it comes to you. There was a man by the name of Timothy. He's a, a spiritual son of Paul. And he told, Paul told Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want to remind you of the faith that was in your mom and the faith that was in your grandmother. He says, but I'm convinced of something. I'm convinced that the faith is in you too. You see, you have to have faith for yourself. You can't just believe because dad believes or mom believes or your grandparents believe or you grew up this way. Faith has to be personal. And it comes through repentance. You have to admit, I can't save myself. I can't. My good works before a holy God, they don't hold water. God won't accept that. If you accept Jesus, what happens? You put on 
Jesus' righteousness. You put on the clothes of righteousness that he gives you. You have filthy garments. He says, take those filthy garments off. You believe in me. You trust in me. I'm giving you my righteousness. I'm giving you my garments of salvation. And when that happens, that repentance, it leads to what's called the conversion. It happened to Paul. Paul was named first Saul. He, he, he was riding on a horse and he had an, an encounter with the true God, the living God, with Yeshua, Jesus. And what happened was when he, when he, when he, when he came up, up, when he sat up, he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm the one, I'm Yeshua, I'm Jesus, I'm the one you've been persecuting. He said, I, I knew something was wrong because every time I was persecuting, I felt the stinging. I felt something. You were trying to get to me. He said, yes, and the Lord is trying to get to you. Right where you're at, he's trying to get to you. Some of you watch a movie and it's, and it's the Lord trying to tell you something. It, you hear, hear something. It's the Lord knocking on your heart's door. He's saying, I got more for you. I got a plan for your life. This is, there's more to life than politics. There's more to life than social media. There's more to life than having money and stuff. Because I'm your life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live forever. If you've never given your life to Jesus or if you need to repent and come back to him. Own it today. Be like David. David had three anointings and he was man enough to say when he's confronted and he, he said, you're the man. He goes, I've sinned. Own it today. Don't make an excuse. Because without repentance, there's no change. There's no salvation. But if you repent and if you believe Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. You don't even have to wait till tomorrow for the day of atonement. You can live your, you can get your atonement right now. You can get him to cover you. He removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. If that's you, you need to repent. Lift your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to repent. I need to get right with God. Come on, lift your hand. You know it. I need to, I need to come to him. I need to come clean. Lord, it's me. It's me. It's I'm the man. I'm the woman. I've not been right with you. You know who, who you are. Just don't even wait for tomorrow. Let's get it right today. Just stand to your feet. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and shake my hand. That, that stuff, maybe another time. But right now, this is, I want you just to stand before God and say, Lord, just repeat this prayer. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Yeshua, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I believe with all my heart you're the Son of God. You are the Messiah. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. I confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua Lord Jesus, I receive you. I take you as the cup of my salvation. 
Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Write my name in the book of life. Your book of life. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Have your way. I give you me. I thank you for a new beginning today. Today is my day of salvation because today I have repented. I let it go. I'm not going to take it back. I regret my past and I confess who I am now. I am a son. I am a daughter. You know, I am a child of the Most High God. 